You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael, and with me always is my good friend, Jay in Texas. How goes it tonight? It's going pretty good. Um, it's uh, not 10,000 degrees outside. It's actually, you know, under 10,000, just a little bit for the first time in two months. So <laughs> I am ecstatic. <laughs> you're not sweating anymore? Is that what you're telling me? I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Oh. <laughs> Where did you get that crazy idea? Remember yeah, the well, transplant from Alaska to Texas? You know? Yeah. No, yeah. that's just, let's not get crazy. Okay. Well, speaking of Alaska, I uh, I know uh, Mike Barcelo has been uh, our you know Alaska Mike, I guess what we call him. But he uh, he's been working on an airplane up there, and I suggest we give him a call and see what he's doing. Yeah, let's give that guy a call. All right. Hello, Mike. What is going on? Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast tonight. Oh, thanks. What are you guys doing? Well, Jay and I are doing a podcast, and we thought we'd give you a call and uh, talk to you a little bit tonight about your, what is it, a tomcat or some kind of a cat? A, a teeny bird, a, a teeny cat, fierce cat, fierce cat. It's called a, a tame cat, T-A-M-E. Tame cat. Tame right. cat? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, a tame cat, it works for me. So anyway, right. uh, we uh, we thought we'd call you tonight and kind of get an update on uh, how it goes and and the build and kind of chat with you tonight about your, uh, your, your adventures up there in, in Alaska since Jay is uh, missing it with all this hot weather down there. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I've, it's finished. Um, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> so not exactly the ARF two, two to three hours assembly time on the box. Well, you know, it was all, it's supposed to be an almost ready to fly plane, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what that's what it is. It's an almost ready to fly plane, and right. uh, I think I expected, I don't know, maybe five or six hours because you know, uh, you got to put on the servos and all that kind of stuff and do adjustments, etc. Whatever. I know that my uh, Phoenix two thousand, for example, only took me maybe a max of ten total hours uh, because of some minor things I had. to work around but other than that it was you know pretty straightforward and i was kind of expecting it to be in that time realm i guess uh, but that was a mistake now now this bird isn't like the typical all foam arf that you're usually used to having right no this that's true totally that's different. true it is a wood constructed plane with covering um so so what why it's almost ready to fly is because i didn't have to put all the sticks together and covering up which which i appreciated you didn't have to whittle them all out that, that's right i mean i put together stick planes i've got in fact i still have one that i built a long time ago and it still flies and um yeah. you know i put that together and it, w- it went fine but i had real expectations that it was going to take a long time and it did but this one wow like i said this one i i thought maybe i could get it done in uh, 10 hours or whatever but i didn't know what to expect because i haven't built a world models plane before I got I got into it. it. It took a little while. All right. So to begin with, uh, it's a world models airplane. It's called Tame Cat, 
And it's it's like a it's an F fourteen or a semblance to an F fourteen, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a really nice looking plane. I I really like it. Now, does it have fixed gear or retractable gear? Yeah, that's right. It has fixed gear. Uh, it's a okay. tripod thing, and um, so it's got folding prop on it, which is nice. And two rudders, if you got to look it up online to really kind of get a good view of it. So it's got dual rudders and a folding prop. So does it is it like a glider as well, or it just has a folding prop because it's yeah, so how big are the wings? You know, wingspan. The stuff. wingspan is probably about two feet, give or take. Uh, you know, maybe twenty six inches, something like that. The folding prop is because it's a ten inch prop, and I don't think the wheel is. If you get in, if you get into any grass, uh, that prop is touching. And I think that they probably knew that when they when they put it together. That's what I'm assuming. They figured out that you're going to need a folding prop for it. Um, oh, and actually, huh. my understanding from people who build world models, they, a lot of their planes come with folding props. Uh, that must be just the world models thing. It, it might be. It might be. That, that, but that's my understanding. Yeah. Someone else who, who builds a lot of them would have to really say about that. But I... All right. Well, if uh, if you're one of our listeners and you build world models, you'll have to email us and let us know why they have folding props. One of the things that I did before I started building this thing is uh, at the suggestion of Jay, I'm sure I'm sure you did too, Mike. Uh, I went on to RC groups and looked at modifications I could make for the plane or what I might need to do. Of course, which was a good was a good suggestion. It had some really good thoughts there. Um, the the one thing I could really do though that they suggested was to reinforce the landing gear firewall wood that's there. Okay, so for the nose gear. It, that's the that's the one you're reinforcing. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the nose gear. That's right. Thank you for that. So I didn't have to reinforce the under the one on the bottom of the the two back wheels because they just connect to the bottom and it, it fits nicely and it's really strong. Um, and so I did that. I put an extra piece of wood in there and I had to try to figure out how to get that on there. That took me a little while because I don't have a lot of experience building stick planes, just a couple. I've only built a couple, and those ones I built were either pre-drilled or they marked them where you needed to drill to, to make holes. Well, because I was adding a piece of wood and my drill bit couldn't fit in there to drill through the existing holes to match them, I had to figure out how to make new holes for this piece of wood I was going to put in there. Right, so, so because it was all put together and assembled. That part was all assembled, right? Yeah. You couldn't get in there to really modify it that well. You couldn't get your drill bit in there because it's small. It was awkward. There's already stuff in, in the way. So that was that was kind of a hassle. It was a real hassle, yeah, for me um, because I'm not, not – I, I finally figured out that if I used a piece of tissue paper, um, I could just then stick a pencil lead or anything that would fit in a hole and – make a pattern based on what was it already drilled. And then I used that pattern to build my piece of wood. And that worked out really nicely. Yeah, you could have you used a piece of blue core foam, I think, as well, right? You mean to, to make it stronger? No, as a template. template. Oh, no, uh, that wouldn't have worked because of logistics of where it is. Like, I couldn't come from the back of it, and that's really the big, it was the biggest problem. Is I couldn't oh. come from the back of it. I could only go from the front, which means I would be covering the holes that were there. Otherwise, I could I do what you, you just said. I just put a pin in there and just poke it through, right? Poke it through the blue core or, or whatever I put there. And that's what right. I tried to do initially, but I couldn't reach back in there to get it to work. I got you. Okay, so so you just took a piece of paper, regular paper or cardboard? No, no, which, which I used was tissue paper. Oh, tissue paper. And then you put that down, and then you took a pencil, stuck it down there, and, tr- and just kind of 
you know, like a copy of coin or you, you do one of those rubbings, right? You no, did I just like poked that. in the holes that were there. Oh, and that, so that marked where, where the holes were. Then you got your piece of wood, overlaid them, and then, and then you could drill through those or mark them and then drill through them. And that would give you the approximation of the holes that you needed. That's exactly what, what I did. Ah, okay. Gotcha. And I needed the tissue paper because of two reasons. One, I could see where the hole was to put the pencil through it. And two, um, the pencil would go through it because the holes were small enough that, you know, if you use something too big, it wouldn't make a, it wouldn't put an indent or it wouldn't put a hole in the piece of tissue. I mean, it was a real, it was a real pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've all got experience with real pains. Well, right. So, so, so again, this <laughs> is my models. first plane. I, I don't think I recommend this as a first build plane, but it wasn't, it wasn't from a complication standpoint, it wasn't terribly hard. It was just, you know, sort of frustrating. So at this point though, Mike, uh, when you were going into this build before like this happened, did this happen? Was this like the first thing, like when you were putting it together, this was the first thing that happened to you or, or you had already gotten like halfway or three quarters of the way into the build and it kind of, you know, lulled you into this nice safe lull. You'll be, you'll be done in five more minutes. And then you discovered this thing and then it took you like 18 hours, uh, you know, or how, where was this in the build process? Yeah, right. You started having the problems. The landing gear was like step eight or nine. So I was in, I was midway into the build. So it didn't come in the front end, even though I knew I was going to be doing it. I didn't attack it first. I just followed it. I felt like it would be better if I just followed the d- directions on how to put everything together. You read directions? Man. I'm a weird guy. You know, I read directions <laughs> and follow them. I don't know if we can have him on the show anymore. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I've been disowned before because of it. But um, <laughs> what, kind, what kind of a model builder reads directions? That's what happens <laughs> when you screw it up. Then you go, hey, why did I put this in backwards? Or when you're building something and Jay looks at you and goes, hey, did you need this on there before you put that in? And oh, I, yeah. Like his stuka. Oh, yeah. Evidently, that's happened once or twice, Mike. Uh, just, oh, yeah. uh, just a little while ago when he was down here, helped, you know, came down for a visit and was putting one of my planes together. And I'm like, hey, shouldn't you put this on before you put this in? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly what I was. Well, well, to that end, um, I think I read the instructions four times. The first time I just read it because I wanted to be familiar with what I was doing, which I normally do. And I don't really read it in detail, but I, I read through it just to kind of get a sense. I was like, where does this piece go? Oh, yeah, I see it now. How does that go in there? Okay, that makes sense. And then also it alerts you to, like, sometimes you try to skip ahead because you're waiting for glue to dry or something. Well, sometimes if you do that, you mess yourself up. So I read through it once, and then I started going through it again. And then I, when I got to a point of drying glue, where glue was drying, um, I would read through it again to see where, what was happening next, to see if I could do any steps ahead of time. Yeah, Jay, I'm feeling really inadequate right now because I may, I may get through the instructions if I screw something up. And I'm like, where did I put those things? Because I know they're in their box when I open the box, but they usually get put somewhere, and then I can't find them. Well, well, I think yeah. I've built enough things that way, Mike, that it's just easier for me to read the instructions. No, I hear you. We all should read the instructions. Yeah, that's true. What what usually gets me that that trips me up is the um, the screws. They'll they'll have, they'll have like uh, okay, here are the eighty screws that go into this model. I know, and I they're that. like. You'll have one that's uh, six millimeters, ones that are eight millimeters, and then like two that are, you know, five millimeters and one that's, you know, seven millimeters. It's just like, (laughs) so of course I take the one that's seven millimeters, that's specific, that's very specific. And I'll use that in like something that 
that was used for the six or the eight millimeter ones, you know, not, right. not even thinking about it. And then later on, I'm like, why isn't this thing fitting right? And it's because I've used the, that one wrong screw out of the 50 that they gave you. <laughs> and that part drives me crazy because they're all dumped together. It wasn't like they were in individually marked containers or things. So, you know, oh, there's the one seven millimeter screw. There's all in a pile. Yeah, they just so, put it in a little baggie and say, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Okay, so, so that's a really yeah. good point. Uh, um, that was a positive thing about this model. Uh, they did positive. two things that I thought was that I thought was really nice. The first yeah. thing was is that all the bags were labeled with a number, and all those numbers corresponded to the step in the manual. Hey, now that's nice. So yeah, so oh. that was really nice feature, and. For the most part, they gave you an, all the screws that you needed to make it work. In, in each little numbered bag, they gave you the screws for that step? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was convenient. So that was pretty nice. Um, so I didn't have that issue, although all the rods, the control rods were in there, and it's like, use the 21-millimeter control rod. Oh, crap. Where's my ruler? Wow. Because <laughs> I don't want to grab the wrong one and cut it off and go, oh, that was the 27-millimeter <laughs> Control rod. Uh, yeah, I've done that yeah, too. I, I was going to say, wasn't that, uh, for you, Arizona Mike, wasn't that uh, when you were doing the glider? Yes. Wasn't that, the, didn't you do that? Uh, oh, look, this rod's just a little too long. Yep, oh, there that's we go. exactly Perf- what it's perfect. Did. Oh, there's another short rod. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I uh, was putting my hotliner together and uh, I had the one rod. I picked it up, put it in there, and I go, gosh dang it, this thing. You must have to cut it. So I cut it. Then when I got the other rod, it wasn't even close to being able to fit. It was way too short. And I was like, what the heck? Well, then I realized that I cut the long one for the elevator. The short one actually fit to the rudder. So go figure. Whoops. Wound up having to take them both out and go get new rods. <laughs> and then I, I got the same size <laughs> rods, you know, and then I custom fitted them. So it worked out better anyway. They had some pictures in the instruction manual that didn't match what I had in front of me. Uh, the first example <laughs> was with the aileron servo mounting positions. So in the picture, they just had like, it looked like they had a, a hole cut out. You drop the servo into that hole and then you screw it down and, and you're good to go. That was in the covering, right? They had a hole shown in the covering? They had a, well, you know, it's like you get a nine gram servo and it's got, the size of a servo. Well, that's what the picture showed. The size of a servo, oh, okay. you just slide it in there and you drill it down. You know, you screw it in. Right. And that's what all right. you have to do. But what they okay. gave me were some pretty nice flush mount aileron, I don't know, servo aileron things, whatever you want to call them, to, to mount the They're covers in. for that. They're covers, right? They go yeah, it's, it's kind of a cover. Hole. The servo actually attaches to the thing that you screw down to the, to the wing. Um, right. And they provided some wood blocks that you're supposed to glue to the plastic, and then you you screw the servo into the, those blocks. Two problems. The first problem was blocks they gave me were a, a weird shape. I couldn't figure out, since they didn't have any instructions for how those were supposed to together, I couldn't figure out how they would fit properly. And no matter what I tried, and I tried a different configurations, I really couldn't get a good... It just didn't just didn't look like it was going to work well, so I decided to build my own wood mount so that I could um, make sure that it stayed, you know, in those in those servo holders. 
And that was a little challenging because, you know, I ended up putting ply together and the three pieces of ply that I needed to make it wide enough was just a tad bit too wide for the hole so they wouldn't go down in there. So I had to sand what I had built. There was a lot of reworking that had to be done there. And I spent, I probably spent six hours total just getting those things to work. Um, right. And the, wasn't there another problem? It's not like you, you're in a new place. So you're kind of like me, you know, moving down here to Texas. You don't have all your tools all in the right, you know, one spot where you can just go out to your workbench and, you know, grab this, whittle that down and you're good to go. It's, you know, you're, you're reaching in, you're finding the, you know, uh, a pair of pliers, a piece of uh, a small scrap of uh, sandpaper, you know, an exacto blade, and you're trying a couple to couple rubber bands, <laughs> and you're good to go, right? Yeah, exactly. You're trying to, you know, screw in this, you screw something in with those tools, you know, and it's like, wow, this isn't, <laughs> this is really taking a long time. If I only had a screwdriver, right, right, right. and I, and so I ended up making a sanding tool because of it, um, so that I could do that <laughs> because some of the some of the spots I had to put stuff in weren't big enough as well for for various different reasons. It seemed like like when I mounted the wing on there, it was just off, just by a hair, and it wouldn't fit. So I had to sand it down a little bit so that it would fit nicer. Um, and there was, that happened about four or five times, and that was sort of frustrating because I, I was expecting it to just fit in there without any sanding. Um, but I right. realized, too, that part of the process, and, and I need to find it, but I just didn't have that in my head when I started. So that made a roadblock for me mentally, just, just trying to get through it. But once I realized that's what I was going to have to do, it was easy just to accept my fate, right, and, and then move forward. So after putting those blocks together and gluing them down, et cetera, et cetera, I was, you know, always I was trial fitting them and pulling them out and trial fitting them again and pulling them out, trial fitting them. Well, of course, I, because of whatever reason, they would fall off. The glue would come off. It's like, great. I'm glad it happened while I was building the plane because I don't want that to happen while I'm flying the plane. Exactly. You don't you don't want your servo falling off while you're flying? I prefer Come on, not. that makes for an exciting flight. Yeah, you may be like it that way cuz it's challenging, but <laughs> I prefer not to do that. So It's a challenge. So eventually I just overglued it and I, you know, I resanded everything and I overglued it a little bit and I think they're in there good now. I don't think I'm going to have an issue with it. So that that worked great. And so we put it I finally put it together and I think you know, I was spending a couple hours a night. It probably took me two weeks, maybe, to put it together. Wow. Give or take. Um, For an ARF, that's that's uh, pretty good. That's pretty good, though. I mean, if you're only doing it a couple of times a, a night, you know, I mean, there's usually, I mean, some ARFs are, or ARFs are, you know, two hours. Some of them are 10 hours. Yeah, and there wasn't much. any real indication about what I should expect. Right, putting this together either anywhere, right? It didn't say this should take. You know, a real human would only take two hours, <laughs> and then I I usually double or triple that, and that become you know that's what it takes me to do it, right? So, well, and it is uh, you know like you said one of your first, uh, not the first, but it it is unusual for you to build these ARFs. So, uh, you know, Jay and I have built tons of them, so we we are kind of used to what you know what comes into the play with doing those and, and having the right tools, that kind of thing. So I, I get it. I mean, I've, I've been in your situation too, where I've bought, you know, way back when I bought my first balsa wood model and it took me a little while to put it all together because, 
you have to measure and, you know, glue it and wait for all that kind of stuff. So I get it. Yeah. And so th- this is truly my first. first. I've never made an ARF. I've built stick ones, you know, from the ground up. Right. Um, and, and like you said, you have this expectation. You're going to have to sand, you know, cut, measure. Right. Right. change things whatever you know on this one i didn't expect that to be the case so yeah so we put it together and uh, and we took it out to the site to fly it it was fun now what's uh what kind of motor did you put on it i put on a 28 36 uh it was a um uh, i think a, a thousand uh kv uh motor puts out about i haven't measured it but i think it's the the specs say 240 give or take 240 watts? Yeah, 240 watts, yeah, give or take. Oh, okay. How, how much do you think it weighs? Probably a pound and a half. So, I mean, that's mm. that covers the weight pretty easily. I, I haven't wadded it out, though. I need to do that, I guess, and, and to double check. Yeah. But, yeah. So so, uh, we, so we took it to the site to fly. Well, I tried to take it off from the grass. I couldn't get it off the ground. Really? Yep. Before... Was it just dragging through the grass, or you were just... Well, the prop would be touching the grass some of the time. Oh, wow. And so they're mowing the grass. Well, Jay knows how that. I don't know if the grass had just been mowed or not. One thing for sure was it was wet. That would definitely impact it a little. That does impact it. Um, That's part. That was part of it. But but like I said, the the nose did touch. So if the wheel went into a divot, then it would, you know, then it would hit the grass, and of course it wouldn't go very fast. It would slow down because it's going to hit the prop. Uh, So I ended up taking out to the road. And um, we, we, there was a road nearby the place where we fly, and I, I took it off off the road there. And I had a really nice flight, pretty docile plane. I didn't try it at full rates, but I did fly it upside down, and I did. Um, it did take quite a bit of elevator to stay in that position. So I guess my CG could probably be moved back some. I think that would be the case, right? If I had to move back towards that the is tail. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you balance it out, you know you can balance it uh, right side up or upside down. Uh, if you're flying inverted and it requires a lot of up stick, you can move your CG just a little a little rearward. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'll probably do just to give that a shot um, to see if I can make it fly um, upside down nicer. Yeah, you don't you don't want to uh now is it meant to be uh, an aerobatic type airplane and fly upside down or is it just a kind of a scale type airplane? I don't know the answer to that. I mean it flies if you don't want to <laughs> 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 I love it. <laughs> well hey, I'm just asking because uh, uh maybe. Um, it, it glides nice, so like kill yeah. the power and you know, it wouldn't drop out of the sky, so that was nice. And it stalls nice, like it doesn't like some planes will twist and fall, right? And right. it just mushed down, which I liked a lot. But it has more. It has more of a delta wing, right? No, it's a straight. I mean, it's a it's big a straight wing. wing. It's got a. It's got oh, a reasonably it? big back end, but oh, it's, it's a straight wing. So the wings are are ninety degrees to the fuselage. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, they don't have any sweep or anything. No like sweep that. in it at all. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, that that makes for good stall characteristics. But it's not also it's also not a uh, symmetrical wing. It's got flat bottom and a rounded top. Oh, okay. So I guess so in that sense, top, in I that guess. sense, no, it wasn't designed to fly upside down. I guess you think about mm, it that way. No. Yeah, if it's got a flat bottom and uh, and built up top, it'll probably take a lot more stick. 
I don't know if I'd be moving my CG back too much. Okay, good to know. Right, that's a that's a thing to learn. <laughs> that's kind of why I asked that. <laughs> so, so I'm flying around. It's my first flight. It's flying well, and I think, well, okay. Uh, I took it off from the road, but I don't know if there's going to be a car coming or whatever. So I'm going to land it in the grass. <laughs> what a great idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, the grass well. is wet, so. Uh, <laughs> And it was already uh, dragging through, so you're probably going to have a little bit of a drag on this white grass. Well, so. well, the thing is, is that it was tall grass, okay? So I didn't feel like there was going to be too many problems. It was really tall grass. You know, we, we've landed planes in tall grass before, and usually it, nothing happens sure. to them. That's true. In this case, when I came in, uh, I landed it, and it hit the tall grass. and stopped sudden like you'd think it would. and <laughs> Like a real arrestor hooked? What's that? <laughs> I said like a real arrestor hook? Yeah, like a real arrestor hook. <laughs> and I, I picked it up, and the nose wheel had broken off the frame. Uh, so your nose wheel acted like an arrestor hook rather than having an arrestor hook on the back of the airplane. <laughs> you, you have one on the front of the airplane. Well, and so it turns out that, that what I did helped to some level, but it still ripped out of the plane, which is what the RC Groups guy had said, that the nose wheel is a tendency to be pulled out. And that's because the piece I added was to the front. And that doesn't really help too much in the pullout. That makes sense, right? Wouldn't provide yes. the extra needed support. Even though I glued it well, to the even though I glued it to the um firewall. All right. So yeah, I mean the if you think about the nose gear touching the ground, when it touches the ground it has a tendency to fold backwards. So if that was the case, it would be pulling whatever you glued to the front of it would be Pulling away from that's the, correct, and so it know, pulled the, away from the um, uh, my piece of wood stayed on the landing gear, and it pulled mm-hmm. away from the body of the of the plane. So it pulled both. It pulled both of them away. No, just the just the front one, which was still attached to the wheel. So all those screws stayed in place like they should have. So so what that means is that I had to put that piece of wood behind the firewall instead of in front which is what i did it originally i did it in front with glue i right. thought that would help with what i needed this time what i've done and i haven't flown it since then but this time what i've done is put a piece of wood behind it now that was an, another problem because as i told you before i couldn't reach the firewall very easily that piece of wood so so i thought okay well i'll glue it to that back of the firewall but before i glue it i'm going to need to put the holes in it which I use my template to do. I put the holes in it, and but I couldn't reach in there to hold the piece of wood in place to screw the screws in. So I ended up using a really long stick that had, and I uh, hot glued it to the back of the piece of wood, and I tried that, and that worked for one of the screws, but I couldn't get the other ones in for some reason. Whatever the reasons were, it doesn't matter. I couldn't. It would. It wasn't working. So it was really frustrating <laughs> getting that piece of wood in the back. Let alone did I did I need to glue it, right? So I wanted to glue right. it, but instead, because I had the one screw in there, and I finally was able to get some other screws in there, I just said, "Forget it, I'm not gluing it. Uh, if it's going to come out, it's going to all come out anyway. So wh- why why bother gluing it, right? Because the stronger piece of wood now is in, beha- in the back of the screws behind the firewall." Instead of in front of it. So what attaches to, I mean, so the landing gear, if it starts to fold backwards again, what keeps it, what keeps it from coming out? Well, the, 
back piece of wood will because it's a stronger type of piece of wood. It's a plywood as opposed to the balsa that's So you so is the landing gear the landing gear is attached to the front piece of the wood or the back piece of the wood? Both because the screw goes right through both. Oh, so it's got like a strap. So it's like a um, a rod that has like a oh yeah strap yeah yeah there's so yeah so the rod okay. goes on the wood and then there's a strap that goes over the rod right that's correct gotcha okay that makes more sense to me so it's basically once you screwed it in it pulled the front piece out um and then now now the you're you're screwing into the original piece with a piece of wood behind it that's correct and that's that's okay. that that's sense. likely going to result in me pulling out the entire firewall if I crash like that again, if I land like that again. Well, at least we we know it was well made. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and was if I have to replace repair. the firewall, then I guess I'll be able to replace it with a very sturdy <laughs> or, or reconfigure how that works. A Carbon fiber. Oak. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> no, no, oak. Oak is heavy. You can just carbon fiber. Oh, Whatever. Carbon I, I, fiber. I, I, clearly, he was joking. Uh, so... <laughs> you're just you're talking to a guy's been hacking down oak trees he's got plenty of oak out there at his place so he's just trying to give it away that's all okay that's fair enough. doing so, so yeah so that's that's been the that's been the extent of it now not the blame of the airplane itself i had some amount of fun with the electronics what do you mean oh no kidding my, well, it turned out it was my ESC. Originally, I thought it was my servos uh, because when I had more than one plugged into the receiver, um, it would brown out the receiver. And I was like, what the heck is going on? So uh -huh. I tried another receiver, and that receiver, other receiver had the same problem. I was like, this does not make any sense. Then I go and get another servo and I'll plug that in and it does the same thing. And then I get a another one and that one doesn't do it it's like oh wow okay so this one's good and then i get another one and i had like 10 or so servos laying around it turns out two out of those 10 didn't make the receiver brown out however the two that didn't make them brown out if i put them together it would brown out after some thinking and talking to other friends of my friend by the name of bob he suggested it was the escape and i'd never had that experience before that the escape wouldn't produce because it was supposed to produce two amps of power. Didn't right. produce enough power for the receiver. Well, for whatever reason, probably because it's a cheap clone or something, the escape does it put up enough. I guess it does enough voltage drop to make the receiver brown out. Now, does it have an internal BEC or a UBEC? In it's it? an internal BEC in the in the escape. And it and is it. Um... How, how big of a battery are you using? Uh, 2200. You were using a 3-cell or a 4-cell? 3-cell. 3-cell. Actually, I understand the 4-cell would be worse because the way that that linear BEC works, yeah. it, it would probably form less with a, with a bigger battery. So, so that being said, I swapped it out for that first flight. I swapped it out for a 40-amp escape. Um, that I, another one I had that worked fine without any problems. So you in, increased the amperage on your, you, you went from what, a 30 to a 40? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that and wasn't, that, that that's wasn't why it worked, problem, just right? that the escape, the 40 amp escape was just a better escape. Oh, I gotcha. It wasn't really a matter about the amperage that it drew, it's more about the escape's quality. Right, right. And so, um, 
so I was poking around on the internet and I found uh, an RC Group's entry about how you could use a capacitor to stop that sort of thing from happening. Evidently, they sell them online, uh, these what they call anti-brownout or some kind of – it's actually got a product name or something. Uh, in my case, I used a 2200 microfarad capacitor. And that just plug, that plugs right into your uh, receiver? Yeah, right into the battery port. How does that help at all? Well, how it helps is because the way that uh, – the reason why the receiver browns out is because – well, actually, Jay probably could explain this better than I can. Jay, you want to try Give it a whack at it? Well, well, basically, it's because if you have a power sag, which is usually below 3.3 volts for the receiver to work, and let's say it, for whatever reason that BEC is being stressed and it can't produce that 3.3 volts minimum, you know, from that five, it drops, you know, it can't, it can't produce that. Um, so it goes 3.2 or 3.1, and so that you get that brownout condition. It doesn't have enough power for the servos. It's trying to do some other things. It starts to brown out. You lose control. And then there's that part where it, everything cuts off during that time. The, the voltage and everything, you know, that sag goes away. The battery's able to bounce back, and it'll come back on for a second. Well, what that capacitor does is that once that voltage goes, you know, goes so low, well, it, it goes ahead and it discharges all the, you know, uh, all the voltage that it has. So it's like saying, oh, well, I'm still at 5 volts this thing goes down to three, it goes ahead, you know, kind of like uh, filling a water bottle. Well, once this one starts to empty, the one from the capacitor starts to fill up, you know, to go back. Okay, I'm down to 3.2. Oh, I still have five volts over here. fills back up that 3.3, back up to five until the battery can come back up. And it usually stops your receiver from, you know, from uh, browning out on you. So, so it's just it, a, it, it's just basically a little uh, holder for electricity. Right. So and it doesn't sad. last for a long time. You know, a capacitor doesn't last long at all. Right. It's usually just, you know, less than five seconds, you know, that a capacitor will actually will actually be working. So it's just enough to stop your receiver from browning out, you know, until the power can come back on, you know, to full strength or come back. Right. And right. it just stops that brownout condition from happening and you're able to continue hmm. flying and you know, hopefully you don't crash because, you know, like we've all had it where you have a brownout condition and of course you're, you know, you're, you just happen to be 10 feet lower than yeah. than the battery coming back or the, the voltage coming back and, you, you know, your uh, receiver coming back on and resetting itself. So uh, we've all had that happen. So that usually sucks. Yeah, it never hard. seems to brown out or, or do any of that stuff when you're three mistakes high. It always does it when you're either landing or you know, you're doing some hovering yeah, above it, the ground. You're always coming down. You're stuff. never climbing. Yeah. It's not like you're climbing no. straight up. You know, no. like in a tough wing, you're going straight up full power and then it browns out. You know, you're like, oh, you know, three, it's just gliding up and you <laughs> comes back. Yeah. That never happens. Never happens. Never. No, it's happens. always on the way down, full throttle. You guys make a good point. A reason why it doesn't happen is because you're not using the servos. Mm, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. I never but you know what? Idea. It doesn't matter because if I'm coming straight down, I'm not using the servos either. <laughs> Yeah, but you will be when you're pulling that stick back as hard as you can, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, so so it'll be drawn because there'll be all that pressure on the elevator or whatever, and, and you're going to oh, definitely point. be creating some amperage draw. All right, Mike, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> but anyway, so I decided that um, that I was going to fix it, and I so I went and got some 2200 uh, microfarad capacitors, and I had some 
leftover cables uh, from old servos that stopped working. And I just soldered that right to the capacitor and uh, put some shrink wrap and, and some tape around it just to protect it. And now it's just sitting in a plane. So I'm going to fly it with that crappy 30 amp escape and see what happens. Mm, uh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Let me get this straight, Mike. You you have an ESC that will do perfect. You made in the flight with this. And now you're going to go back to the crappy one that you know brands you know out is broken. <laughs> that you know is not working and put a capacitor on it and go try it again. I'm not just doing this willy-nilly. I mean, I tested it. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, okay. it's bench tested then. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I, I you, on, you, you I left that part out because I, I was about to say. I put the battery in and I <laughs> tested it to make it brown out. It doesn't brown out anymore. Uh, okay. Gotcha. So, okay. so you, yeah. yeah, I mean, no, you yeah. Fail the, would, you fail that do, little yeah, key piece silly. of information. Okay. But I need well, to escape for a different a, plane, so that's why I, I had to do that. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, Not, see. That's what I, I, I do. When I need, I, I when, I need a hole, when I need a hole in my airplane collection, I just go fly something <laughs> that, you know, has got a problem. I know it's not coming back. <laughs> that's the plan. I need for Jay to send me a new plane. I mean, if, if I if I end up crashing it because it browns out, then I'll let you guys say I told you so. Okay. Oh, because we're we're gonna say so. There's, there's oh, not yeah. gonna be any. You told me so. But I'm gonna no, let you no. say it. I mean, this is. I'll, I'll give you permission. We're gonna have a whole podcast on just this. I told Mike that it was better to use the 40 amp ESC. But no, he has to go. Uh, well, it's, that's good friends. If they can't, if you can't uh, get a good ribbon from for the rest of your oh, life, yeah. you know, that's absolutely. how you know you have good friends. Well, absolutely. So you, your maiden went well, you said, uh, up until your landing. Right. Was there any characteristics of the airplane that you liked, didn't like? Was it fast, slow? What were some of the things that uh, were exciting about your flight? Or did you just have a panic attack the whole time it was in the air? Oh, no. I, I uh, My panic was at the very beginning when I took off. But after I uh -huh. got up in the air, the thing flew fantastically. Now, it was an overcast day, and this plane is gray. Oh, yeah. That makes <laughs> for an exciting first flight. Of course. Yeah, so I tried to fly close as best I could. Um, but even with that, it was hard to see it occasionally. Um, yeah. My friend Jeff, who was there... Uh, helping me fly it, you know, you know, because it's good to have somebody there when you're doing a maiden. He was like, "Well, do this and do that and try these things." I was like, "Okay." But as soon as I get it to a point where I can see it, I'll be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the one who suggested flying an inverted, which I was going to do anyway, but I wasn't uh, high enough, and I and I and I couldn't I couldn't tell which you know which direction was facing what that sort of thing. Oh yeah, uh, it was flying mostly by braille at that point, trying to get it back into view <laughs> and that, that sort of thing. It didn't fly extremely fast, but it wasn't a slow plane. Um, yeah. And like I said, I what, really what? liked the stall characteristics of it. It just mushed down instead of, you know, doing a snap roll or something. Right. right. Was it as fast as the tough wing? Oh no. Was it? Oh okay. Oh no. Uh, uh, first of all, it's a, a smaller can. Yeah, it's 28, uh, 28, 35 or 36 yeah. or something. So it's oh, a is it 28? Yeah. yeah. It's just a longer, it's longer can. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. So if I had put one of those motors in it, which I didn't think about doing, I should have done that. Um, it'd probably be going a lot faster. Thank goodness we live in America and you can still do that. There's no law saying you <laughs> yeah. have to just keep the motor you have in there. Put a, put a bigger true. motor in there. Oh, huh. Interesting idea. 
<laughs> now, if you put one of the, if you took the one off the wing, though, you would have to use a smaller prop, right? You couldn't use a 10-inch prop on it. Oh, that's right. Well, because we have a higher KV. Well, that might actually be a bonus, though, because then I could probably take it off the grass. Well, yeah, but we have a higher KV. It's like 2,800 or something. That's true. I'm agreeing with you. That's all. Oh. All that stuff's true. I probably need a bigger escape, you, too, you, right? Yeah, you'd be able to take it off the grass for, you know, get it airborne, and then just about the time you got it airborne, you just poof, you know, instant. Yeah, it may take longer. You, you may need the torque. I mean, you know, so you, you may need a longer, bigger, you know, something that can swing an eight inch blade. Right. Uh, you're saying, uh, KV, you're yeah. saying a lower KV, but with a longer can. Yeah. Yep. Well, the can, the can's only, uh, it's just for fitting it in the airplane, though, right? Well, the round side part of it is because the way the way it fits in in the, the with the cowling and stuff, right? But but the but the length. I mean, you you would have to move up. You would have to move up. So if it's a thirty, you'd have to move up to like a forty, because the forty is going to have a, a little bit uh, more winds. Yeah, we're talking about length of the of the of the can, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you guys might be. I was talking about the diameter. Yeah, the diameter. <laughs> talking- it can't get any bigger than twenty eight, <laughs> otherwise it won't fit with the canopy. Uh, okay, well then uh, you're gonna have to stick with the 28, but you may be able to go with a lower lower KV and swing a bigger prop and get a little bit more. Which torque. is what I which is what I found. That, that's what I have in it now. The, the lowest I KV to swing that prop that sure. that gives me enough output. It was hard finding a replacement. I mean that there was a motor that was in it, but the person who sold it to me took it out, so I had to get a replacement Ooh. motor, and it was not completely simple figuring out which was the right motor for that. But it it was sufficient. Did it come with an outrunner or inrunner? It came with a uh, a motor, but it wasn't in the kit. The person who gave, sold me the plane oh. uh, took that stuff out. Oh, I gotcha. Well, he he had it in for him. <laughs> <I'll mess with laughs> yeah, you no wonder your ARF took a little longer. You had to buy parts <laughs> for it. It wasn't really a true ARF then. Well. I mean, I the part, part buying part that that did, took its length of time, but I I could have, um, I although I didn't spend time building it while I was waiting for those parts, I probably if I had started waiting for the and and waited for those parts, I would have finished around the time they showed up. So no, oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Based on how long it took me to get those parts. Well, looking back at your build, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, no, nope. I think I did everything I had to do the way I had to do it. I don't think there was. Well, that's good. I, I mean, I just now I I guess approach it mentally differently. Like, no, it was going to take longer than it did, and not read the directions this time. Maybe just yeah, maybe that was my problem. Again. Is I read the directions, it took me extra time because I was trying to decide <laughs> what they were saying. Yeah, he needed a little Chinglish dictionary. So, so one thing I didn't mention is to put that piece of wood in the back. I had to do something I really didn't want to do, which is why I didn't do it in the first place, and that is. I had to cut the bottom of the plane open, and so I, I wasn't really excited about doing that. Um, so or is it a monocoque colored? I mean, monocoque covered? Yes. So I, I just put in I'll, – I'll probably just tape it back on there. Um, I don't have any monocoque to cover it back over with. Yeah, and plus is it's printed. It's a printed monocoque, right? It's not just monocoque. It's really monocoque. It's just silver. No, oh, it's just, oh it's yeah, it's printed. It's got, it's got design on it. You're right. It's printed. Yeah, I see right. the point. Okay. So, Mike, it seems to me like <clears throat> the biggest thing about what I've learned about this this particular episode is the word "almost ready to fly," and <laughs> and and it truly means something different to 
I, I almost want to say each generation, right? Because I'm sure there's some older older folks who are listening to this and, and they're just laughing. Ah, almost ready to fly. What that meant when my kit was, we get a, <laughs> I'd get a kit and it would have a redwood seed in it, and I had to grow my tree. <laughs> and then as my tree grew, then you know, then I would whittle, cut it down, and you know, then I start planting it and making my sheets for for making my my model. Um, a redwood seed. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> so, pretty funny. Yeah, so you know, uh, as opposed to with a lot of the newer foamies, which are quite literally, you know, ready to fly, you know, or oh, almost yeah, ready just... to fly means plugging the battery in, putting the prop on, maybe snapping the tail feathers on or something like that, and quite literally, you're ready to fly, say within 20 minutes or within an hour that it takes an you hour. to charge the battery. Yeah. In. Yeah. So it's it's. It's varied when you see that word "almost ready to fly." You know, well, yeah. well, Jay, but on on the same on the same token, though, the, there are models, older models. I mean, I, I have some older models that are almost ready to fly, not necessarily generational wise, but it just they that's how they were put together back then. I mean, nowadays sure. the technology is such that they can, you know, three D print parts, and they include a bunch of you know they figured out how to. To put screws to where the when the wing comes in, you just screw the wing in, you know, or add your right. servo or whatever. And and some of these airplanes and some of the new foam airplanes come with all that already assembled, four screws. You put those in the wings, you know, stick your battery in there, and you're off and running. So I, I just think technology is kind of ca- you know caught up with this, and there's still a lot of great models out there that are considered almost ready to fly, but they do require you know probably three or four hours worth of work. Well, you know, this brings up another. Good point, and and uh, I know you just got a model, and you're 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 modding it. it was probably that's probably <laughs> going to be another podcast and everything. But one of the things that you had yeah. to do with this particular model was we were just talking about putting monocoat and stuff on it, and um, you know, hardly I'm not going to say nobody monocoats anything anymore, but that's getting to be a forgotten art form or or a method of putting the plane together, that's and. True. Uh, and I'm just saying, you know, for some people, um, like before I left Alaska, we had a big giant sale. A guy had um, donated. He, he he was a plane hoarder. I mean, he had hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of kits. I mean, right. just hundreds and hundreds of kits that he hadn't built. He he might have built ten out of the. I think we had almost, you know, eight hundred models in wow. the box, new in the box. And um, and that's just of planes. That we're not talking gliders or the control line or any of the other. Though you know, we had, you know, we had well over a thousand, two thousand planes uh, wow. that this guy had. And you know, for some of the people that were up there, they were overjoyed to see some of the kits that this guy had. A because it took them back to their childhoods, but I mean, they were the you know, you got to whittle them out of the wood. You got a set right. of plans. You you know, right. you had to cut out your ribs. Um, and then the other guys were talking about, yeah, I remember the first time there were laser cut or die cut ribs, um, you know, and then laser cut ribs and so on and so forth. But, you know, <clears throat> the, the thing that I, that was pretty funny talking to the people that came to the sale and talking to the folks that came there and everything. Well, there are a bunch of guys cause you know, a lot of people came to the sale and a lot of them showed up and they were just like, what I have to put this thing to get, you know, I have to use some glue, you know, and, and, and the, it's not going to be ready in an hour or two hours right. or three hours, or even like in Mike's case, you know, a couple of days, right. I, I, I have to spend maybe a week or a month to put this plane together. And they were appalled. They didn't, you know, why would you have such a sale? And then there was another group of people who were overjoyed with all the models that were there that they could, 
touch, hold, put together, put their love into. And, you know, once again, I, I guess it, it all kind of comes down to there's a little something for everyone. You know, I, for Mike's I agree, case, I agree he, he with might that. not like putting, putting all of this together as opposed to just opening up the box and flying it. Um, with you, you, you got discovered this monocoat stuff and you found out that it wasn't that bad and you rather enjoyed it. So, sure. you know, it's, there's something out there for everyone. You know, no, I, I, just I, I agree. I, I think you're right. And, you know, and it's good for Mike. It's, uh, you know, coming up with your first ARF. I'll tell you after building a, you know, a ton of these things that each one of them is a little bit different. And depending on how you approach it, you know, you can open the box and look at it and say, oh, I really like that. And I'm going to put it together. And however long it takes you to put together, you know, it, it just kind of works out. Or in my case, you know, my new model that just came in, I stripped everything off of it and started from scratch. So each one's going to, you know, vary and, and take different amounts of time, I guess, basically. Well, I, I want to be clear, but... too, that that in my case, um, I just set my a bad expectation for myself is really the issue. I mean, I, I don't – I wouldn't mind putting together another stick plane and covering it myself. I don't have right. any objection to that. It's just that that's not what I thought I was getting into. Right. And that was just a mistake True. I made. No, and like you said, it's frustrating because you think, okay, this doesn't look when you open the when you open the package up, you go, Oh, this doesn't look too bad. How, this this shouldn't take me too long. And then like you said, you, you don't exactly have all the tools, you're you know, you it, it, there's odd things that were coming up that you weren't prepared for and you didn't have the right tool for, and it just made the job that much harder. And it's kind of like the Hyperion one, uh, Mike came down here that we put together. It was a well put together kit. There wasn't all that much to it, but when we started putting it together and we're looking for my tools and we're looking for, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And it just took way longer than it would normally take the two of us working on one model to put something together. That's true. So, Speaking of new tools, I got a new tool today. What's that? I got a clevis wrench. And and what is this? Does it does it pit <laughs> avocados? What what does this thing do? It does. Yes. Uh, on top of uh, carving avocados, it's actually a Sullivan product, and I I didn't even know they made these, but I had to run to the store and ran by a hobby bench over there, and and uh, if you're from Phoenix, make sure you stop by and say hey to Rick. Uh, but yeah, he was telling me that there it's, it's a little 90 degree wrench. You put it in the clevis, turn it 90 degrees. It opens the clevis for you. Uh, and it's got a little, uh, part that pulls the, you know, the keeper on and off as well. Okay. So, so wait, I got, let me stop you just real quick. So why, you know, you were just walking along and you said, man, these clevises, like what, you know, this, I got a new tool today. <laughs> like, why did you okay, all say, well. man, I'm having a hard time opening these clevises or you were just walking in the store and this, this guy said, Hey, I'll give you a good deal, kid. Come over here. I'll, I'll sell you this. <laughs> what, what, I mean, like what, what, what prompted it, you to get this? I'm not saying it's not a bad tool. It's just kind of a weird, you know, Hey, guess what yeah. I discovered today? It, it was all, it was shiny. It was shiny. <laughs> okay, not a sticker. Squirrel. 50% off. Squirrel. Yep. <laughs> it was shiny. Yeah, it was shiny. had a, a, a sticker on it. Uh, no, remember we um, when I was building my, my um, hotliner for the glider hotliner, I had those clevises, and they're very difficult to open and close because they're ah, so small. Okay. And so when I was looking for something else, which is always the way it works with me, uh, I was looking for something uh, totally different. And I came across 
the shelf and I was looking at these things and I looked down and I said, I picked it up and I went, I turned around to Rick. I said, Rick, what is this? He goes, Oh, those, that's a Clevis wrench, man. You don't have one of those. And I'm like, no, he's like, those are awesome. He's, and so he showed me how it worked. And I was like, I got to have this, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, cause you know me, I'm the right tool for the right I bet job. You Rick's like so looking out the easier. window. I wonder if Mike's coming in today. I got, I got a whole <laughs> box full of stuff I got to sell. <laughs> well, oh, he well here he yeah, comes. Cause he pointed me to the, uh, the servo box and the motor mount box. He was, okay. uh, he was doing a good job today, but, uh, I went in there for some wheels. The bad news I I didn't, I didn't come home with any wheels. That's what I was about to ask. Did you actually come but I home, came home with, with a Clevis wrench? No, I did not come home with what I needed. I mean, I, okay. I came home with what I needed, but I didn't come home with what I went to go get. So anyway, <laughs> it's it a totally is, different story. The good news but. is that your wife didn't say, you come home with those wheels or you don't come home at all. <laughs> you know, I've never had that problem, Mike. No, I've not, in fact, she doesn't ever tell I've me ever that don't come that. home at all. <laughs> I actually don't see her yeah. saying that, but you never know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Top 10 things I'll never hear in my house. <laughs> I know. If you're going out to get wheels, you better bring those back. Don't bring anything but those. That's right. No, you bring it back funny. or don't come back. I know. Holy <laughs> well, Mike, are you uh, ex- are you happy with the model? That's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I, well, I've flown it once. So for that one flight, I definitely enjoyed myself uh, during the flight. I'd like to fly it more, and I'd like to take it yeah. off the grass instead of off the runway, off the street. But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, I think one of the things I would have preferred they didn't do was screw down the cover for the re- for the receiver because if you want to take off the wings every time you go to the site, you have to unscrew that cover so you can unplug them from the receiver so that you can pull them out. Yeah, is the cut is the uh, cover made of balsa wood or some kind of wood? Yes. Uh, okay. Well, uh, my my super cub or my big eighty inch cub that I fly, it had the same problem. Jay will tell you that uh, in the very top hatch, there were four screws, and you in order to to get inside to undo the battery, you would have to undo these four screws. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it, it was kind of a pain. So you know, Jay was looking around and he and I were talking about it and um, digging through one of my boxes. I found some of those uh, earth magnets, those rare earth magnets, neodyme. And we just uh, basically took some popsicle sticks and put uh, a little, um, you know, kind of sticks on one side to go under the lip where the, the doors touched each other. And then we put neodyme magnets on the other end. And I put a little uh, strap, just a little piece of plastic that you just pull and it comes right off and, I don't have to use the screws anymore. So just a suggestion. I, I, for now, I just use scotch tape, but same idea. Yeah, that'll work too. Scotch well, tape. Well, yours is blender. nicer looking. <laughs> well, I just happen to have those in my, you know, in the in my big bag of, uh, you know, empty uh, or extra parts, I guess is what they are. Uh, but anyway, it's just a suggestion. So uh, if anybody else out there is listening, you know, has that same issue, they can Use a magnet or blenderm, scotch tape, whatever it is that you need to uh, to get it to stay together. You don't want the hatch flying off. No, it'd be bad. Does your receiver goes with it or no? It's just the hatch. Oh, just the hatch, down. probably. Yeah, it's just the hatch to to get access to the receiver, which is attached yeah, to the plane. Yeah. yeah, it's not part of the uh, wing structure or anything, is it? No, so. it's behind the wing. <laughs> oh, okay. 
but just that the, that that particular thing has screws that normally you would mount use to mount it. But I took the screws out and and, and they didn't provide any screws, so I assume I guess they, I was supposed to figure out maybe to use magnets or something else. But yeah, you could have used some servo screws or something. I <laughs> it did. Would have worked. That's what I ended up doing. Oh, but I, then I had I to unscrew it every time I needed to get access, and I was like, I don't want to do that. That's too much hassle. <laughs> I know that's the great thing about, you know, building these planes, you can modify them how you want. And, you know, they were, they were good ideas coming out of there, but you know, like you said, looking at, um, RC groups or RC universe or wherever, there's people out there that have built them and made a few modifications. And sometimes you can just look at it and go, Oh, it's so much better. Yeah. So for now, I'm just leaving the good wings on. I'm not, I'm not removable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, I, I really hate doing that too. There's only a couple of airplanes that I actually pull the wings on and off of, but they have thumb screws, so I don't have to, you know, do anything but unscrew the, you know, unthrew the the thumb screw on the inside, and then they just pop right off. So uh, they work work okay for me. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you talking to us about your uh, tame cat. It's a World Models. Um, if you are, are interested in looking it up, feel free, and um, maybe you can uh, email us here at the Park Flyer Podcast at gmail dot com. If you had any questions for Mike, we can forward along to him. Uh, Jay, you got any, uh, anything to add for tonight? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it for tonight as always. Uh, Mike, uh, I, I, I like where I'm at, but I do wish I was up, uh, for up there for an Alaskan summer because yeah, <laughs> I'd be flying. So yeah, but, uh, no, I think we're, I think we're pretty much covered. And, um, yeah, Mike, thanks for telling us your, your adventures for putting this plane together and, and tribulations, uh, tribulations. I'm making up another word again. Yeah, well, that's good. We have one per podcast. (laughs) (laughs) At least you can pronounce that one. Yeah. (laughs) It's the other ones you can't ever pronounce. Uh, Well, uh, for those of you that are listening, if you uh, have a story about your uh, airplane and you want to share it with us here at the Park Fire Podcast, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, Go ahead and uh, shoot us an email or, um, you know, get in touch with us, and maybe we can put you on the podcast as well. It's always good to have uh, listeners, uh, you know, with us and, uh, and be able to yeah, tell us and their stories and as well. We, and we can talk up a storm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, my Skype, uh, account will call more than one. So we can, can always add an extra friend or two. Party line. <laughs> right. A party line. That's how it goes. Well, Mike, uh, thanks again for joining us. Sure. No problem at yeah. all. It's always, uh, always a pleasure to have you on and, uh, we'll have to do it more often. I know it, uh, Jay and I get to talking all the time and, and cut a few of these podcasts out and, you know, a couple of weeks out and, and, uh, this was a good opportunity for us to kind of get, you know, caught back up and, and touch base with some of you guys and you get back in touch with Larry and some of these other guys that we fly with and, um, you know, get them, get them involved again. So it's good to hear that you're out flying. You got a new field up there or you just went to a new field? Uh, yeah, I started, uh, started in with a, a bunch of guys who were flying in a different spot and um, it's a, it's a really nice field. Yeah, I think you sent photos to us. And uh, are you guys getting a new runway on it? No, no, it just has a grass runway. It's some guys. It's in the oh, middle okay. of some guy's hay field, and uh, huh. they just they just been they've been leasing that space for quite a while now. Oh, good. Well, you you've got a new field. Jay's got a new field. I'm still at the park, and uh, took my big uh, cub out at the park to, uh, this last Tuesday and flew with a couple of the guys. And let me tell you, it was a torrential win- uh, winds out there. I didn't think my uh, big airplane would be affected all that much until I got it airborne. Uh, I've never seen a Cub use high rates at full deflection before, but 
I, uh, I, I had to, uh, so being a professional pilot and weather is, uh, I don't know. I, something you might have to deal with all the time. What made you think to go flying during, Oh, what do you call those things? Monsoon storms? I, I, yeah, don't, know. Monsoon. I don't know. <laughs> I just hadn't gone in a while and I figured, you know, it, it's a good opportunity to go. The other guys decided it was w- w- way too windy. So, mm. uh, but I thought, eh, I'll do it. You know, it's an 80 inch cub. It, it'll, it'll fly. But uh, yeah, I almost lost it. Believe it or not, I came in for a landing, and good thing you know. I think we talked about before at one of our other podcasts about how the the cub would hover because <laughs> yeah. it's got a six cell and a big prop on it. Well, yeah, I needed that this time because I almost drug a wing, and it it um, the wind caught it. The wind was really gusty, and it it tried to uh, cartwheel it. But luckily for me, when I Cobbed the power to it. It kind of stood on its tail, and I got out of there in a hurry. So the next landing was much nicer. Came in and and uh, just kind of greased it on. But it made for an exciting landing, and uh, I think they got a picture of it uh, scooting by while I was flying it. So that's good news too. Well, I'm glad you didn't I didn't didn't wreck it or anything. Although that story mm-hmm. reminds me of, of like stories that usually go, "Hey, hold my beer," and then, <laughs> and, then, and then they go into what <laughs> into what you're talking about. So. I know, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, we're excited for uh, some of the podcasts coming up. We uh, I got a new model. We're still working on the A10. Uh, a couple of uh, models down there in Texas uh, that uh, you're you're uh, working on as well. So stay with us and uh, join us. Uh, I guess two weeks for um, for our next uh, episode. And we appreciate you joining us tonight from uh, the Arizona studios. I'm Michael, and from the Wimberley studios in Central Texas. Jay. And thanks for joining us tonight. I guess we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.